Hey, Ryan. Yeah. That was quite a day of football, huh? <laughs> Just a little bit. You know, I was thinking about what I wanted to do if I wanted to give like a big take, a thought experiment, some sort of thesis. And here's what I came up with. Today's the day the NFL became college football. I can't remember a time where the absurdity, like every single game was like Pac-12 after dark or a Friday night college game where you go to bed and you have a bet in and you think, well, there's no way I'm going to lose this one, right? You already start spending the money. You start thinking about Saturday on your board. Then you check your scores just out of habit the next morning and you find out that that bet is lost. Liam and I must have gone through that like six or seven times. Insane comebacks all over the place. So many mistakes too. the coaching decisions across the league don't comport with any type of reality. I'm having a hard time understanding it. And while all that's going on, we have former Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback lighting it up and defense proved to be unstoppable and it feels like the Big 12 out there. Try that one out for size as you survey what happened today. Uh, you know what? I've got a little alteration for it. It felt like the NCAA basketball tournament. Right down to Broncos fans counting down the play clock like it was a college basketball game. I, I you're right. It was you. Do, you know, it seems like every game, like not every game in the NCAA tournament, is either a blowout or it goes right down to the last second. And that's what it felt like today. I mean, how many games were one score games? It's pretty much like, like what two thirds of them were, were one score games. How many featured crazy comebacks? Even if the the comeback didn't finish, I mean, they still were very close, and you didn't know who was going to win late. I, it was a crazy day. But I can't remember a day like this in a long time. Usually two-thirds of the games in the NFL are snoozers, are, are the team that was supposed to win winds up winning. The only question and excitement is the is do they beat the spread, do they cover or not? Uh, today was wacky, man. It was crazy. And I, I wonder if the starters not playing in the preseason as much as they have been is leading to some of these crazy results, is leading to some of these results where guys, you know, don't have the mental focus for a full game. I mean, you know, it used to be in the preseason, your last game, your stars are playing at least a half. Sometimes they'll play the first drive in the third quarter to get used to coming out of halftime and playing, you know, and running a, a, a series out of halftime. Now, I mean, starters don't play in the preseason pretty much unless they're young guys who haven't really established themselves. I wonder if that's having an effect on what's been a, a, a really weird first two weeks of the season. I'm prone to believe it. Uh, I think it's, it, I had to laugh where I think about how much preseason and off-season content people consume from so-called experts and people who are going to tell you exactly what's going to happen and give you the state of the NFL. And then how week to week they're going to come on here and give you these big, strong takes about this team is no good. This team is good. Here's what's going to be happening over the next month. Dude, from like 3.15 p.m. to 4.15 p.m., it felt like the entire state of the NFL changed and the two big comebacks that were going on at that time, one is more important than the other. Tua finally has his moment. Mike McDaniel has his moment. As the Miami Dolphins come back from a 35-14 to 14 deficit, six touchdowns from the southpaw on the road against the Ravens, against Lamar Jackson, who was getting plaudits for playing a nearly perfect game. I'm kind of in disbelief that that happened because – 
The Dolphins looked okay last week against the Patriots, but Tua was pretty erratic. And now he's setting records and doing things that Dan Marino never did. Like, where are we with this guy? I'm happy for him on one hand, but on the other hand, I am very worried about what this is going to do to Tuanon. Yeah, let's remember, he did have two interceptions, so it wasn't a perfect performance. You can, you know, there are still things to fix here, and, and two, of it, two of his touchdown passes were a little underthrown. I, uh, growing pains, he made the pass. The guy's got them. But I'll say this, this is why you get Tyreek Hill. I mean, you get a guy who can stretch the defense and give him easier throws. You had Jalen Waddle. A lot of people, when they got Tyreek Hill, they're like, why? You have Waddle, you have Gasicki, you have some offensive weapons. Why are you spending as much as you're spending to get Tyreek Hill? Well, this is why. You had two receivers, each have 11 catches. Uh, Tyreek Hill went for 190, Waddle went for 171. They both had two touchdowns. This is why you do it. You want Tua to work out. If you actually want Tua to work out, and that's what McDaniel wants, this is the guy you get to stretch defense. There are some other guys you could that could do the same thing. I mean, Jamar Chase in Cincinnati could do the same thing for a guy like Joe Burrow. He can, you know, change the game for you. And so that's helping, and that's going to help Tua. But look at who had more targets today. Jalen Waddell had 19 targets. 19! He caught 11 of them. I mean, this is a very receiver-heavy offense. I feel like they're never going to run the ball. I think they, they had 18 rushes and 50 passes today. So McDaniel is going to, he's going to make Tua earn that job. And, and today he had an excellent game in the second half, really did what he needed to do. The jury's still out. I think very, you know, people are going to be suspicious of him. The the question I, I saw immediately after the game, it's like, is Baltimore's defense just bad? No, I think that those receivers are just really hard to cover. And I could have probably thrown a few of those touchdown passes. That said, it's a step in the right direction. If you are a Tua fan, you want him to succeed. And, and you have to give him the tools to succeed. And I think that that gets overlooked a lot when quarterbacks are drafted. Situation, talent around them, and a coach that believes in him are, two ve- are three very important things. Has to fit the scheme, all of that. So if, he, if this is right for him, he will succeed. Um, but again, rookie quarterbacks who come in, look at Trevor Lawrence, was the god of all gods of college quarterbacks when he got drafted. And look at the situation he inherited in Jacksonville. It's been rough got to be in a good fit for a young quarterback. I think that with McDaniel, you have the idea that he is going to do things his own way. And I don't think that stubborn is the right word, but I kind of think that he is an outside-of-the-box thinker. And it's exactly like you said. If it takes throwing the ball 50 times every game to win, well, guess what? Maybe that is the plan because they went and got the the best one-two combo at wide receiver. So, I mean, I look in my backyard, I think Jared Goff throwing to those two guys could put up huge numbers. Like it's all about, it's not just about the quarterback. Like so much of our conversation in the NFL is like, oh, is he the guy? Is he the sixth best guy? Is he the 16th best guy? Well, you want to know what? If you put unbelievable talent and a system around them, there's a lot of guys who can not maximize it, but at least get it to a point where you're scoring 42 points on the road. So what I saw today- if a quarterback gets to the NFL, he's good enough to make some of those throws that Tua made today. You just have to give him the chance to do it. You know, a lot of these guys, it's a matter of just getting the ball to the playmakers. And, and yeah, of course, a guy like Brady or Manning or, or, or whoever is going to elevate Mahomes is going to elevate you to another level. But if you want to win games, you've got to give a quarterback something to work with. And you're right, Goff could have hit some of those throws today. And we think of him as a bad NFL quarterback. 
The other remarkable comeback was of less import, although maybe the Cleveland Browns have playoff aspirations. They were at least trying to tread water under Jacoby Brissett until Deshaun Watson returns. They had it. Nick Chubb decided to score a touchdown instead of go down. This is the classic debate uh, where we have decided that, okay, well, yeah, it's nice to score, and the other team probably isn't going to come back. But if you go down, it's over, right? The other team doesn't get to touch the ball. So we're still there when you look back. That Super Bowl with the Giants was like more than 10 years ago. So it's so funny in the NFL where like these debates and these strategic decisions get bandied around and then like we're kind of back in the same spot. Joe Flacco capitalizes. Joe Flacco, I mean, I'm taking this one really personally because I did not care for Robert Sala's week. So he's got all kinds of receipts. He's got all kinds of receipts through three quarters of this one. There was an onside kick. The Cleveland Browns fumbled away a game that they could not afford to lose. And I guess the thing I'm saying right now is like if a team like the Jets and a quarterback like Joe Flacco can feverishly come back in the fourth quarter, like are we looking at a situation where the NFL is moving more toward the NBA where games are just decided in the last five or six minutes? And well, you do want to watch it and we watch it for so many different reasons. The parody and then kind of the unpredictability down the stretch and how much actual game action gets played in those last 10 minutes as opposed to the first 50 when you look at plays run. Are we in a situation where it's basically like we're going to play for 50 minutes and then the last 10 minutes all bets are off and we're going to like some sort of lightning round? I thought Scott Hansen on Red Zone needed oxygen during the witching hour today because it was just so crazy. I, it, it, Kyle, it's 2022 and Joe Flacco threw four touchdown passes today and no interceptions. A 37-year-old, still elite Joe Flacco threw four touchdown passes. Yeah, I, I, it is amazing. And, and you feel like the goal of the NFL for years has been able has been to create this kind of parity across the league where one draft class, one free agent class can take you from you know, picking in the top five to the playoffs. And maybe you, you won't reach the elite, you won't reach the Super Bowl, but this turnaround ability and then the salary cap keeps it so teams are only riding high for a few years and then are in cap hell and have to get rid of everybody and take draft picks, stink for a while, and then build up. It's, it's a rapid five-year cycle, it feels like, for all these teams. Um, but I will say that, yeah, I think this is – you're getting peak parity at this point where anybody can literally beat anybody any – Sunday and you really don't know going in you can make betting lines you can hope they have a rookie quarterback so that you think they're going to screw up and you can disguise your defenses but the quarterbacks who are entering the league are so good they, they're, they're, they're playing so much and throwing so much when they're in college typically that if they get the people around them they can be good and they won't hurt you like they used to hurt you when by not reading defenses and all that stuff so I think that everybody's got, you know, what was it, like two-thirds of the teams in the league have at least a decent quarterback. That means you can win at any time. And the other third of the teams have a guy who every once in a while is going to have a good game, going to hit and, and play. I mean, look at around the league, the starting quarterbacks. Who do you look at and point? That guy's just bad. He's bad. He has no chance of being good. I mean, Jared Goff is a guy we all talk about being bad. He went to a Super Bowl, you know? I mean, like, it's – it is true. These guys are just so talented now when they come out. And uh, if everybody has an okay quarterback, you can win games week to week. The third ridiculous contest featured one of those quarterbacks that is 
unbelievably talented and so fun to watch play because Kyler Murray, uh, when I watch him play, I think of the John Mulaney joke where there's a horse loose in the hospital. Like people are like, is that bad? Like you don't really know what he's going to do. Like there's some really low lows, but what we saw as Arizona comes back on the road again against the Las Vegas Raiders to win 29 to 23, this dude ran all over the place for a guy who had it in his contract that he couldn't play video games. Let's never put that in there because that's the only reason why he was able to make those plays. I've never seen anyone run left and right and left. 87 yards on one play. It looked like Tecmo Super Bowl where he's just running and you're trying to take up the whole quarter just to piss off your friend. And then he's just running it in the end zone and he's the last play of the game. He's throwing a touchdown and then he's getting the two point conversion with an unbelievable throw, like arms, legs, everything. And Arizona wins. And we were having the discussion in the chat where is Arizona, uh, but uh, is this day going to be just terrible for all the whole year after they fell down 17 to nothing. And for good reason, because they looked really bad. Cliff Kingsbury uh, needs to send every fruit basket in the world to Kyler Murray because he can't coach and he's getting bailed out left and right by this guy. I don't think that the Cardinals turned a corner here, but I think that the recipe is right there. We're like, Cliff, don't even hold a clipboard. Don't even be involved. Just be like, okay, go out there, play schoolyard rules because I don't know if I've ever seen anybody be better at it for eight minutes like Kyler was today. Yeah, just let Kyler be Kyler essentially is what you do. And and look, there you're right. There are low lows here, but there are times he make, makes plays that I think Patrick Mahomes is the only person on the planet who can make some of those plays. You know, and some of them I feel like maybe Mahomes would just tuck it and run there because he's get, he's gotten a little more conservative as he's gotten older. He's smarter, you know, tuck the tuck the ball and 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 play another play. Kyler doesn't have that yet. He thinks every play he can make something happen, and sometimes it leads to a really bad sack. Sometimes it leads to a really bad throw fit into coverage. He got away with a couple today. Um, some of them wound up being catches because he's just so talented. But the ability to just make plays and wear a defense out. I mean, a play that lasts. 20 seconds what's a defense supposed to do and it's so demoralizing when you play good defense for 19 seconds and in second 21 and 20 or 20 and 21 you let your guy get a little bit of daylight and he gets a play like imagine how demoralizing that is and so he is unbelievable as a playmaker I don't know how good he is as a quarterback yet but as a playmaker it's staggering how good he is and how good he can be now if he can sort of mold those two things together that playmaking ability and being like a more cerebral quarterback who picks defenses apart before he has to run around for 10 minutes to find an open guy uh, I think that that he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and certainly the Cardinals are at a point where they had to pay him that because of what the highs are and you're banking on the highs whenever you get a quarterback you're banking that the best of him is what you're going to get and you're going to develop him into that it's a huge risk with Kyler, but man, he is so much fun to watch sometimes. And we're overreacting because we're going to overreact every single Sunday. But I think like that playmaking ability at quarterback just unlocks potential in a team that if you don't have it, it really stands out. And look at the Raiders 0-2, bad coaching. Like at this yeah. point, it almost seems like you need a transcendent player to be the person who's 
going to save everybody and paper over those bad decisions and be like, yeah. you know Derek what? Derek Carr is that guy. Right. And Derek Carr is great and he can be a top 10 quarterback. And he has, I mean, he's got a lot of weapons around him and you, you trust him to get your team to the playoffs and maybe win a big game there. But he is just not someone who's going to be able to put it entirely on his back and go whole full like Leroy Jenkins mode. Yeah, let me just say this about Derek Carr. And I know that we've seen him be pretty darn good at times. He's not great. And and here's the thing. He's indecisive as hell, and it kills that team. Against the Chargers, they lost a one-score game. If he just pulls the trigger on some of the throws late in the game, they probably win that game. The Chargers were doing nothing in the second half, and they were leaving receivers open. But they weren't open enough for Derek Carr to pull the trigger. He needs a little of that gunslinger in him. And that's what he was billed as coming out of college. People are comparing his mentality to like Aaron Rodgers. He'll just fit it in there. He doesn't do that. He's very conservative. And today, you know, 14 incompletions in 39 throws. I mean, it's just with their offense, with the Josh McDaniels offense, you got to do better than that. Week one, 59% completions, three interceptions. Like, you've got to be better than that. This is a team that has enough talent to make the playoffs, certainly. They did last year, and they ostensibly got a little better this offseason. The offensive line is terrible. I get it. But, you know, as a quarterback, you're supposed to elevate the guys around him. I just don't see Derek Carr being the guy who elevates people around him. He's only 31. He should be in his prime, and he's struggling. And they're 0-2. And, I I mean, 0-2 teams the last, like, 10 years barely ever make the playoffs. I don't think they – I mean, very rarely. And you've got a coach in there who should be running a better offense. They ran the ball 21 times through at 39. They've got Jacobs, who's a pretty darn good running back, and you're just not doing anything with him. That was a problem all of last year. It was a problem in week one, and now it's a problem in week two. And they're 0-2. Derek Carr is not a guy who's going to go out and win football games by himself. Great news for the Raiders is they get two games against the Denver Broncos. The Nathaniel Hackett experience is loving it. Mana from heaven in the content department. I feel bad for him. It seems like he's over his head. It seems like the moment is too big, but there's no way to look at this. They were able to escape with a 16 to nine victory over the Texans today. Uh, That's two terrible offensive performances in a row after going and getting out after going and getting Mr. Unlimited, it turns out they are very limited. What are we even to make of a situation where Nathaniel Hackett kind of looks like Nathan Peterman? Yeah. I mean, look, look at his resume. I'm sorry. You've got it like, and understand what are NFL coach uh, franchises thinking. And, and maybe he turns out to be good, but he'll have to grow into the job. He's not going to be good right away. Uh, Buffalo bills offensive coordinator got fired. Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks coach for two years, then offensive coordinator got fired. Packers offensive coordinator uh, for two for three years, uh, from 2019 to 2021, under Matt LaFleur, who is legitimately the offensive coordinator there. And you're bringing him in to run his own thing. I mean, the three years of the Packers is ostensibly what got him this job. But he wasn't really the offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur was. Matt LaFleur calls the plays. And so you're bringing this guy in. And you're shocked he doesn't know how to run a game, essentially. He can't decide on fourth down what he wants to do several times and either has to call timeout. One time, they ran an option play with a tight end on third and one, got nothing. He can't decide if he wants to go for it there. Then they run the field goal unit out, and it's the delay of game, and they're too far and have to punt it. I mean, it's maddening to watch. And it's the kind of thing where literally in the second game 
In the first half of the second game, the fans are lustily booing Russell Wilson and the offense. It, I mean, I, and again, an offensive head coach who's supposed to modernize the team, and they look awful. They look just awful. You bring in a high-priced high and prized quarterback like Russell Wilson, you expect better. You bring in a guy who's an offensive head coach, you expect better. And they're not getting it. And I have a real tough time seeing them being any better this year. I agree. I, I just I think that not that the game has passed Russell Wilson by. Uh, it's just I he's like I would describe Kyler Murray right now as an uber athletic Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if you put those two on the table, who do you really want? Like for one game, it's still Wilson if I want that experience. But for a whole season, and especially some of the things that we've talked about before about how teams are needing to win in the NFL. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Like, then there's the whole personality thing, right? Like, yeah. Wilson's weird, and he plays this politician, and he plays this motivational guy, so he's never going to be publicly critical of his head coach. But he's no dummy. Like, he has to know after these first two weeks that – there are real structural problems there. There are really some things to solve. What was he unable to do in Seattle? He was unable to smooth all of that out. Like he left on bad terms. Now that he's gone, his teammates have one by one kind of delighted in what's happened to him uh, in week one with Denver. I just don't think that he is the guy who can get everybody together. I think that that, particular brand of leadership that he shows that cheesiness i think that it's rather hollow and i think that it rings especially hollow when the head coach is out there really screwing it up and wilson's trying to be out there publicly defending him and then also maybe trying to defend him in the huddle that seems like the perfect storm because you want to talk about someone who seems like a company man it's russell wilson and i think that there's no real time to be a company man because yes, there's ramp and road for Hackett to get better. And you think that he will, but you go out and you spend that money on him. Like this is, they believe their Super Bowl window is now like they yeah. not, you can't waste that many years because uh, Wilson is no spring chicken. Yeah. And, and the thing about Russell Wilson, and, and I'll say this, he is when he has a good team around him, like a really good team around him with a lot of talent. He's a really good quarterback. When he doesn't, he's really struggled, and and he struggled his last few years in Seattle. That was not, and and part of that is on Russ. I mean, he's supposed to make those guys better, and he didn't. He never had a great offensive line over the last I don't know, like seven years. He had a pretty bad offensive line. That's partly the front office's mistake. I mean, it really is. They didn't invest in the offensive line. They did a lot of like offbeat draft picks where people were like, I had him as a third rounder and they took him in the first round. I mean, that, that was consistently happening in Seattle. Pete Carroll is an outside the box guy and it didn't work. But, you know, I feel like Aaron Rodgers, no matter who you put on his team, the Packers wind up in the playoffs and they wind up being a pretty good team. Uh, even with all his eccentricities and weirdness, Aaron Rodgers delivers. Russell Wilson hasn't delivered lately very much. And when you put him in a situation with a bad head, with what looks like a bad head coach, not a lot of proven experience at the skill positions. And, you know, two running backs who seem to be a decent but not great. 
what's going to happen here? And people were picking, by the way, Broncos to win the AFC West before this season. I look at that and I'm just like, there's no chance. The defense with Vic Fangio gone looks terrible. I, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but it doesn't look good. It really doesn't look good. It looks like they're going to need a major overhaul this offseason to add some skill position players around him because they're also paying Russ a lot of money and give up a lot to get him. They're not the biggest disappointment in the NFL to this no. point that had high aspiration. That honor has to go to the Indianapolis Colts, who a couple idiot bloggers on some website picked to go to the AFC Championship game. That's not Ooh. going to happen. Uh, they get blanked today, 24 nothing. Uh by the Jaguars, the mighty Jaguars of Jacksonville. And that's two weeks in a row. They've been awful. Uh, at a certain point, you wake up and you remember that uh, Matt Ryan is your quarterback. And that's the plan. And Frank Wright seems like a good guy. I think that he's a good coach. What, what's been done to him in terms of like shuffling in these over the hill or otherwise problematic quarterbacks every single season seems like he's on some sort of like reality show uh with boiling points uh as kind of like the thesis i don't see a lot of room for improvement here now the colts it should be said are notorious over the last few years of starting to play really well down the stretch and yeah like they get hot at the right time then they win a playoff game this is kind of like their mo that's kind of their mantra but woof what a disappointment uh Zero points with Jonathan Taylor as your running back hardly seems possible. And yet here we are. Uh, how hard should they be hitting the panic button? Super hard or hard enough to slam it all the way down into the earth's core? Uh, I think option B. Uh, is Matt Ryan the worst quarterback in the NFL right now? I mean, you could make a legitimate argument. I mean, look, in week one, like if you're looking at this from afar, you look at the Colts and you say, this is awesome. We get two of our two of our road games out of the way early against two of the worst teams in the NFL, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They tied the Texans in week one, which, as we all know, ties like kissing your sister, and got blanked by the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. Now, both of those teams have a little bit of potential, but the Texans are trying to lose this year. They're trying to lose. If you look at that roster and you look at the fact they hired Lovey Smith, they they're, they're they're fine if they get the number one pick. In fact, they're probably really excited about it. The Jaguars are trying to be good. They're trying to turn it around after the Urban Meyer disaster. Uh, but the Colts have way more talent than Jacksonville does. They should beat them easily. And Matt Ryan, no touchdowns, three picks, 16 of 30. Uh, week one, they threw it too much, 32 of 50, and the touchdown and a pick. I mean, his quarterback rating today was 34. This is, again, a guy who's been to a Super Bowl and has paid a lot of money, and he was terrible. And I just don't see this team. I mean, you're right. They, they turn it around. They figure it out. I don't see how Matt Ryan is a playoff winning quarterback. I just don't see it at this point of his career. Jags secretly frisky, or did they just play the Colts? Um, I'm, a jury's out. Jury is out right now. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence looked like, a, uh, looked like Trevor Lawrence should look today. But again, I'm not sure if that's just the Colts just aren't good. Um, you know, the, the week one loss against the Commanders is still kind of in my mind a little bit. I don't think they, they ran the ball particularly well. I, I don't know, but I think that over the course of the first half of the season, we'll learn if they can actually be good or if they're going to need to keep Lawrence and have an overhaul around him. But 
Uh, I, I thought he looked real good today. And I think that you're going to maybe see some fits and starts with those performances. And this is basically his rookie year because of what happened last year. I kind of think you got to wipe that away. Um, but he looked like what Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be today. So I, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I I'm still a jury's still out for me on, on the Jags. Tom Brady put his marriage on the line to come back and play pretty poorly against the New Orleans saints, but when uh, they're two and all, my question is this is a particularly joyless football team to watch, yes. right? Like this something odd happening when you have the greatest quarterback of all time out there, but it's not fun to watch. Like I'm happy to hear that you're also like in your weird feelings about this team, because it's not fun for me and it doesn't seem like anybody else is having fun. And this whole Tom Brady cloud is getting to the point where it's moving past weird. Yeah. And the funny thing is the defense is playing really well. And the defense looks really good, and the defense seems to be flying around. That offense, they just look tired or worn down, like they partied too much the night before. Like that, and they've looked that way both weeks. I, I, I feel like if they're sleepwalking through games, and it might be – look, the offensive line is decimated by injuries. It might be that. I, I don't know. Uh, Leonard Fournette's looked pretty good, but it, it just feels like everybody on that offense is on cruise control as long as they can pull out a, a, a disappointing win. Uh, and it's not the kind of thing where, like, there's a bunch of new guys to react, to acclimate to it and make better. These are the same guys who've been there, and they just look, like, lethargic. And, you know, maybe Brady taking a couple weeks off during training camp or a couple days off during training camp was a bad idea. Um, but, hey, we all need our vacations, right? But, you know, 18 of 34 for 180, for 190 yards, I mean, and a touchdown is it, just very meh for me for Tom Brady. I mean, this is a guy who – at the beginning of the last two years was just absolutely slinging it early in the year, especially last year uh, was just absolutely slinging it early in the year. And you were just like, Oh man, like he's still got it. And, and the year before too. And this year it just, are we, is, is it going to be the Peyton Manning, the Peyton Manning's final season where he just falls off a cliff and just isn't the same. Like, cause it went from Manning putting up really good numbers to all of a sudden he just didn't have it anymore. It was it was a Chuck Liddell in the UFC thing. Get knocked out once and then you're done. And it feels like maybe Brady's hit that wall. We'll see. But you, I mean, you never doubt the guy's entire career. How many times have we doubted him through four weeks and been like, it's over. The the Patriots dynasty's over. And then they win the Super Bowl. So I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I still think the defense is really good, led by you know Shaq Barrett and Levante David and all those guys. Um, and now Antoine Winfield Jr. is starting to look like a star. Uh, but the offenses, it's 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 hard to watch. I mean, it's it's in mud right now. Thank you for saying that. It does remind me of Peyton Manning on that those Broncos teams. That was no fun for anybody. Like his first year with like, the Broncos was so fun. And but it, it was, seemed like Peyton was having fun when he was winning a Super Bowl. I guess we need to guard ourselves against the greatest quarterback of all time winning his eighth Super Bowl and, and just kind of like not enjoying it which yeah. I think will be uh, super weird. Uh, let's go lightning around through the rest of these games here. Uh, just give me your one thought. Uh, my Lions won. Uh, the Lions are going to play a lot of weird high-scoring games this year. They beat the Commanders. Uh, Amon St. Brown, weapon. Yeah, he was a phenomenal talent coming out of high school. Went to USC and was on some bad 
USC teams. So his, this, this, the shine kind of came off of him. Uh, but Detroit got a steal with him. He is a phenomenal player who can make things happen. Great hands. He's an after-the-catch guy, too. Um, really, really great. I mean, he was literally a top-level recruit coming out. And legitimately, I mean, a top-level recruit coming out. It just kind of had a – he played well, but USC was so bad they didn't get attention. So I think he's a star for them. Uh, they got to figure out the quarterback situation and all that. But but I really love him. Giants are 2-0. and They beat the Panthers, who are now 0-2. Should we be talking more about the size of Brian Dable's balls? Uh, if you would like to, we can go there. I, I'd like to more talk about the temperature of Matt Rule's hot seat, quite frankly. I don't know how he hasn't been fired yet. Uh, that team just has no direction, no life, nothing. And uh, But I will say the Giants, you, you got to like what Dable's done so far. A lot of people were talking for a few years about how that was a guy who should have been a head coach before he got this job. And there some times he got passed over and – they missed that opportunity. Now, they've won against Tennessee on the road, which felt like a good win, but this one doesn't feel like a great win. Still, 2-0 is 2-0, and uh, he's he's doing that with Daniel Jones at quarterback, too. What can he do with a real quarterback? Patriots find a way. They win. Mac Jones, boring game against the Steelers. This one kind of felt like a Big Ten game. <laughs> this one felt like a Big Ten matchup on ESPN2 at noon uh, with Beth Moen. Mid-season. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that neither of these teams uh, are playoff teams. Yeah, it felt more like uh, Mitchell Trubisky lost this game than, than Mac Jones won it. I, I just did not think he looked very good. They spent some money on him. But, you know, Mac uh, Mac Jones did come through. Nelson Aguilar blew up for a big game out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Damian Harris played really well. Uh, he, he won the battle of the Harrises at running back, which I didn't see coming. Uh, yeah, I did not feel good about either one of these teams watching this game. In fact, I felt bad for my eyeballs watching this game. But uh, yeah, I just don't, you know, with, especially with TJ Watt out, there's really, it feels like there's no reason to watch Pittsburgh right now. No, no. I mean, except for name brand, except because. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you're, and you're rooting for laundry. Like, can uh, you, like, the- like five years ago, Steelers Patriots would have been the marquee game of the week. And this week it was buried early on and nobody cared. Very weird times. Uh, the Rams almost blow a 21-point lead against the Falcons. Uh, the Rams are going to let teams back in the game because they can't run the football. Uh, I don't know if this is what a Super Bowl winning team is supposed to look like. Obviously, they look better than the Bengals. Uh, Arthur Smith, when asked after the game why Kyle Pitts wasn't targeted enough, he said he's not playing fantasy football He's trying to win football games. This guy is an all-time clown in the making. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He's like the anti-Dan Campbell. It's like the, the worst quotes you could possibly have out of a head coach. Um, but, I, I, yeah, look, the Rams look like they are fully on the Super Bowl hangover. Uh, you know, this is the team that, remember, is so top-heavy financially that there is an underbelly that's empty here. I mean – Look at Vaughn Miller goes out to, to Buffalo and starts making a huge impact. And he was a guy they just got late in the year and, and, and apparently had a big impact and they lose him. They, they're paying some of these guys so much money that if they don't play at a superstar level, it's a waste. And as soon as those guys go past their, you know, sell by date, this team is really going to struggle and it's going to be buried. And so I, I, you're kind they're kind of teetering on that edge. They won the Super Bowl. Have they passed their effectiveness date with some of these older guys that are getting paid a lot of money? We got two more games. We got three and a half minutes, so let's be judicious here. Joe Burrow 
got sacked a million times. On any other day, that stands out as the biggest surprise in the NFL, and today it barely registered. Yeah, I think it, it bro. I I was assured the last two off seasons the Bengals had fixed their protection issues. They have not, and they need a complete overhaul of that offensive line. They needed it last year. They need it this year. Uh, Burrow is a sitting duck, and they're going to get him injured again if they don't protect him. And and he can be. I, I've said that he could be the next Tom Brady as far as having that cool composure in the in the pocket and winning you games, uh, but not if you don't protect him. Yeah, simple as that. Uh, it's a it's a simple game. You can't excel as a quarterback if you're constantly being harangued. Uh, sadly, the biggest injury of the day: Trey Lance, 49ers, out for the season now. Was playing pretty well in their victory over the Seahawks, but you want to know what? They got a Jimmy Garoppolo to bring in. It seems like the best, savviest move any NFL team was not moving Jimmy Garoppolo because right now they can maybe put the better quarterback that they have out there on the field with plenty of time left in the season. Thoughts on Jimmy entering the fray after not without any controversy because he sidestepped any type of that controversy, which I think was important. What's going to happen this year if Jimmy Garoppolo plays well, takes them to the playoffs, and Trey Lance is coming off an injury next year? Do they re-sign him? Does, do the players around him want him more than they want Trey Lance, who hasn't played much? I think the answer is yes. I think there's a bidding war for Jimmy Garoppolo if he takes him to the, uh, to the postseason. I really do, and I think they have to, trade, they have to move off of Trey Lance and trade him. I, I honestly do, and they're not going to get a first-round pick for him because he hasn't proven anything in the NFL. So... This is his best case scenario that they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. It's worst case scenario for their future if this goes well. And let's not forget that Garoppolo is trending to have an all-time weird NFL career when you throw in the stuff with Brady before. Yes, absolutely. All right, that's 40 minutes on the NFL week two. We did it. We got to all the games. Uh, congrats to you for doing it. And I guess uh, watch the games till the end uh, or just start watching them at the eight-minute mark because that's really when things are going to get decided. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.